to the episode 7 of the Slowspin Society podcast. I am your usual co-host Paul and as always I am with your other co-host Fabian. Hello Fabian. Hi everyone. And today we are so pumped to have an awesome guest on the show. Welcome Aaron. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, so yeah. So most people will probably know you as as Aaron, I guess. Instagram yeah. and, and your chain rings, but yeah, Aaron. Yeah. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> yeah, and I like in the pre-show we had mentioned for a second because you're like, oh, Arn, Aaron, or whatever, and so like I guess I always kind of thought they were both Aaron, but like everyone just kind of says it oh. however they want. So <laughs> it's like you know, but yeah. I have, you know, like I have friends here, like in real life, in my circles that call me Arn, you know. But it's kind of like it's I feel like with them it's kind of like a jokey thing. I've never uh. really addressed how to say it, but I always just kind of thought it was like. um so I was like writing an email like 20 years ago and I misspelled my own name, you know, and then, <laughs> and then that, <laughs> and then I made that like super leet, you know, and I was like, okay, it's four, four, RM, you know, and then, oh, yeah. uh, I remember high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was another um, person in the bike scene who kindly offered to um, sue me part of a cease and desist for using part of that so i changed my name and like or i changed what i put on products in like 2012 or 2013 so i think that there was actually the first version of the chain rings i think had a 4-4 on them okay so oh yeah fact. that's like really a long time ago something look, look up <laughs> for you paul yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Don't tell... Well, uh, I think I have ones the 4-4 on it. Oh, shit, okay. And by the way, talking about the pre-show, if you guys want to learn more about personal business goal, Taiwanese manufacturing, or even Sally's own customer service, then you should definitely check out the pre-show and the after-show. You can access the extended cut of the podcast by pledging at any level on our Patreon. This will give you around 40 minutes of extra content every week. But more on that later. Yeah, we need to put a disclaimer in there that <laughs> <laughs> these opinions are our own. They <laughs> <laughs> don't reflect like, anything about Aaron. It's just jokes. No. <laughs> just banter. Some yeah. morsels of trash talking. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, to, so to, to carry on, a small introduction about yourself. Um, so most people, like like we said, you're known in the Fixit community for your chain rings mainly, but you also, like you said, you do other things as well, business-wise and manufacturing-wise, right? Can you say more about that? Yeah, so I guess my, my background is in um, electrical and mechanical engineering. Um, so like I moved from the Twin Cities, so like Minnesota, out to Boston, like 2002, and then kind of like towards the end of my or when I like finished up college like around 2008 or something like that um I started getting in with a bunch of bike kids um and or in 2006 I guess yeah and so I just kind of like I don't know my background's in engineering so a lot of the things that I do are um you know kind of developed from the ground up so I guess my main interests right now are always kind of like it's like bikes eyewear food and then kind of like other things that like spark my interest so <laughs> yeah it's a good, um, good combination so you... yeah bikes and foods usually go really well together <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like if like you know because we're kind of at the tail end hopefully of the pandemic you know it's like not having enough biking but having too much food is not a good <laughs> not a good balance. I agree. <laughs> yeah. so uh definitely feeling that a little bit um yeah yeah, need to restore the balance, right? Right. But, yeah. <laughs> eventually, but yeah, that's that's a cool like lineup though, because yeah, most I wear. I, I saw some of the glasses, the frames you make, and and they look good as well. So it's, yeah, the rings and the eyewear is a good combination, I think, as well. Then, thanks. Yeah, you um, work with Astate, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like, um, yeah, I was working as like a little as a contractor with like one of the last um eyewear factories in the US um in like 2010 and they were only doing metal and i also at the same time or 2009 somebody gave me like my first pair of like really nice 
acetate sunglasses, like supers. I don't know if you know those, but, um, and I was just kind of like, oh, how do these things go together? Like, there's no marks of, there's no like artifacts of manufacturing on them. They're just these like totally smooth, crazy things that are like, you know, they're formed in all these ways and they're really complex. And so I decided I was going to start kind of like noodling around and, um, you know, try and make a pair. And then I just started to get like really into it. Um, and it kind of just always been something in the back end that I've done just on my own. Um, just kind of to have something else. like, I always think about it as like my like strip built canoe, you know, it's like you have those like <laughs> old guys that in the garage, they have like a canoe that they've been making for like the last 30 years. And it's all like individual little strips of wood that they're like laying up together. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't really put a ton of pressure on myself to do a lot of craziness with it. Like I, I do because I'm a crazy person, but like, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like every so often I have to remind myself that like, this is something I do like a little bit for my like mental health and to get my like passion stuff out. Cause like, you know, it's like a lot of us has to have to do a lot of things that are not like super glorious no. to like keep a roof yeah. over our heads, you know? So it's like to have that thing that like is only on your own schedule and timeline and like, or it's the same thing, but you know, it's, it's only, you know, you're in control of everything that happens with it. And, you know, you can just like work on it and take your time and really kind of like, solve problems the right way and not feel rushed and not feel like uh you know like you're doing something for a customer or a client um and like i think that's like the way that i would love to work on on everything you know but it's just it's a luxury that not everyone can afford and i can't afford on most fronts (laughs) you know so um you know it's just uh i don't know it's just a thing the benefit of being like an independent manufacturer is that you can do you can set your own goals your own ambitions without yeah having to ask for permission first from anyone right yeah there's definitely there's also kind of like you know in terms of like if i was totally supported by my own endeavors you know like because there are long periods of time where i have been um you know it's like you get to like take that long launch sometimes or like, you know, be like, Hey, you know what? Today's not happening, you know? Like, and like, that's kind of like, that's my favorite part about kind of like working for yourself, you know, is being able to like have the freedom to do that. Like not saying that I do, I probably took more vacation when I worked for other people than I did when I worked for myself, you know? So, but Mm. like, um, you know, that's kind of the part of the dream is to, um, you know, be able to have that flexibility, you know, cause a lot of things that we do, I feel like are narratives in our mind where you like have a narrative about like who you are and what you do. It's like, you know, like oh, Paul and France and ride a fixie, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and like you have this narrative and if someone's like, Hey, do you ride a road bike? And you're like, no, I'm Paul and I ride a fixie. You know, it's like, it's like, it's you're like, you know, you have this narrative. And so like a lot of things, it's like, you can use those for like self-actualization, you know, to like become something that you want to be or aspire to be, you know, but, um, I think these narratives in the back of our minds are kind of like driving a lot of things and they let us kind of like feel comfortable with whatever is going on at the time, you know, especially like in the last year that we've all been kind of cooped up, you know, it's like narrative is kind of all you have sometimes. So, yeah. It's good for self-reflection yeah, as well this time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having the choice of uh, manufacturing what you want, why going with a fixed gear approach to the chain ring first, at first? Well, so like this all started in, like I said, like 2006. I started right or. I started getting in with like a big kind of group of people because Boston was like a really, so Boston and New England had like a really huge um, hand-built bike history. And um, also at the same time, like, you know, kind of like messengers were like the kings, queens, <laughs> and um, Boston had like a really big kind of messenger scene and there were a lot of races going on and there was like a really big cycling community and you know, it was just like 
it kind of it just like kind of felt a little bit different back then but everyone was in on it and there was a lot of you know it was just like it was the thing to do it was like oh like all my friends were like frame builders or did something or other um you know my first first big studio i had um i shared you know it was like a huge warehouse and i shared it with um two frame builders were in there so like icarus and royal h and that building like 20 or 30 years before was like next door to the original fat chance building. And then downstairs in that building was one of the first locations of like Merlin metalworks. Okay. And then like three blocks away was the, um, I don't know if it was the original location, but it was the longstanding location for independent fabrication, you know? And then like, you know, ant is out here and you know, like it's like, geek house you know it was just like everyone like a lot of the people in that fixie scene and it was like it, it was definitely like it has prevailed but at that point it's like you had companies like like iro that were you know i think it was like a guy on staten island or something and this guy you know he must have been just printing money you know it's like he was making these like really simple fixed gear bikes and they were really high quality or not really high quality, but they were like pretty good quality and they were like pretty much unmarked and they were in every bike shop and you could buy them online and they were, you know, it was just like you could be a person that was just making something for the kind of like fixed gear community and like, and doing well, you know? So, yeah. and I think now it's kind of like, evened out it's like more distributed you know like definitely like gravel bikes and mountain bikes and stuff are a little bit hotter track bikes are still you know i mean i'm very happy that they're still very popular i'm a little surprised that like you know it's like my (laughs) you know the number of you know units that i produce each year has gone up you know where i kind of thought that like you know i don't make that many of the chain rings a year so i thought that at a certain point it would just kind of be like something that people stopped buying. So, and the other thing is like, I never, I was never really able to scale them up because you know, I always had manufacturing issues. So like 2014, 15, 16 probably would have been like enormous years for me, except for like, I just couldn't get my manufacturing sorted out. So there was really like, that's when I think like, like back to your kind of hype episode, I think that's when, um, the hype kind of like started because like, really there were like very few of those chain rings out there because like, I just like couldn't produce them and it wasn't something I was doing on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions because like you, you of course know that your rings, they, they go fast. Everyone wants one. And you only do, from my uh, yeah, my experience, you only do one or two runs each year of a few hundred or hundred or whatever. And yeah, I was curious if that's like a mix of wanting to keep a sense of boutique exclusivity or if it's because of your uh, manufacturing capabilities and not wanting to scale up. But like, like you said now, it's because of like, yeah, manufacturing as well, right? Like yeah, and but originally it was and now it's just kind of something where like i know that like i can do a run a year i don't have to sit on a bunch of inventory um you know people are interested in them and it's kind of like it's turned from an issue with manufacturing into kind of the business model because like you know it's like to run a business that has inventory on the shelf all year round you know it's kind of it's a different kind of thing you know it's yeah. like if i do it you know i basically you know, I do customer service and like I do all the fulfillment. Um, I've worked with nine machine shops over the years. So it's like, I guess that kind of comes back to like one other really important thing is that like with all the products that I make um, that, that I don't a hundred percent make in my own shop here, um, I'm not going to a chain ring factory and saying, can you make me a chain ring that looks like this? You know, like these products are designed totally from scratch like yeah. i design engineer all the intricacies i make engineering drawings that has like very tight tolerances on them for like how everything can you know be made like and it needs to be kind of quality controlled in that way so and that lets me kind of move from machine shop to machine shop and keep the product like pretty much 
like with no perceptible differences, you know? So there are no perceived differences, you know? Yeah. Um, so then the quality is really one of the most important factors then because of all the, the work you put into the design. Yeah. And yeah. So like the, the first ring then came out what, 2009, I believe. Um, 2009 was when I was first. So actually like uh, now Tomi from Tomi Cycles, he approached me and I, I think I'd already had a prototype of some rings I was playing around with. And he was like, oh, I really want to make more rings. And he was doing the 3R rings at that point. And yeah. um, so we were going to work on a project together. But then I think he decided more that he wanted to like focus on bikes because he was doing sculpture work. And he went full time to uh, make handmade bikes. And now he's like, you know, one of the best in the world, <laughs> you know. So he was living in Bo- around Boston at that time also before he moved down to Austin. Um, and then so kind of like when he made that decision, um, I was kind of like, well, maybe I'll just make a run myself, you know? And then, so that was like probably around 2010. Um, and then I think I made like 30 or 60 rings and then they kind of got picked up different places. And then, you know, like the next year I made like another like 60 and I think they first started selling for like $60, you know, <laughs> it was wow. like, yeah. And then, you know, I kept having issues, you know, like we were talking about these manufacturing issues. I kept having issues where like, you know, I'm always the, the lowest priority job in every machine shop's queue, you know? Cause it's like, Oh, I want like 200 of these or like 60 of these or whatever. And like, I don't know if it's like military or medical products that most U S shops are working on, but they'll probably pay them like double time or time and a half to do projects that they want faster. Or like, maybe I'm just not like enough of a jerk to <laughs> shops about like wanting to get something like right away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, either way, how it worked out, like I'm okay with at this point. Um, and so now I just kind of like focus on trying to get like one run yeah, a year and do it right. Yeah. And then like, um, I also am really strict about um, who can sell them just because like, like we were talking about earlier, maybe it was in the pre-show, like, um, you know, most brick and mortar shops are also online retailers. So it's like, if I add a brick and mortar shop, they're really just competing with the other retailers that I've been working with for like 10 years, you know? And it's like, I don't really want to add competition to like these partners and friends that I've been working with and, you know, because everyone's selling pretty much in the same marketplace. So I do encourage people to kind of like shop locally um, in terms of like if you're on the East Coast, you know, order from King Cog. You know, if you're on the West Coast, I got like, you know, Retrogression, Mash, and Golden Saddle out there. You know, it's like... <laughs> rest of the know, world so, <laughs> <Blue Lug. laughs> Yeah, and yeah. then the rest of the world Blue Lug, you know. They're the best. They're yeah. my favorite. <laughs> It's like so then compared to the your first prototype then with Tommy cycles uh from since then how much has like the workload become easier to manufacture the same rings because they're not not to say it wrong but they're more or less the same like tooth profile and uh design right yeah i mean most of it is just coming down to like you know the collaborations like the collaborations are a lot of work um you know i was working with um one of my best friends had a letterpress printing shop. So we would work on all the packaging here, uh, make all the packaging custom for each collaboration. So, um, yeah, so that was like, you know, doing the logistics that getting all the colors figured out. Um, but I think, you know, like the biggest thing is really just kind of like lead times, you know, just getting, getting what you want when you want to get it from, from a shop that is like you know every i feel like every shop in the u.s is kind of like underwater with the amount of work that they're doing and um you know it's like it's really hard to get people to work for you and for people to show up and for those people to kind of like not continue to demand more and more money to work for you you know it's like it's just like kind of a uh, it's kind of an uphill battle on every every front i feel like so yeah definitely. um like i could go and make these and overseas like 
and have them on shelf all year round, you know? And like, nah. I've thought about it, but it's just not, it's yeah. not what what it is, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just not the thing and it's not worth it to me, you know? Yeah. Like I appreciate that, like the made in America and the quality and care that goes into them. That's why I'm, I'm willing to pay to have them shipped across the, the, the ocean and everything. So yeah. Right. That's a, yeah, the big selling point for me. Yeah. The cover for the collaboration you made with the Korean shop, uh, Bikes Makes oh. Me Happy, is so, so they, pretty. <laughs> it's so nice. They did that one themselves. Oh, wow. oh really? <laughs> yeah. Like That's I was like, why oh, it doesn't you have your one? pattern on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like super rare then, right? Oh. <laughs> so about like your production is limited, and the fact that you have collaboration, it's make things even more limited right uh yeah. when we talked about chain rings on episode two and high parts we evoked the problem of resellers ebay resellers that sells limited edition for crazy prices right mm-hmm. uh, what's your take on that because it is pretty common to see orange chain rings that goes for like seven hundreds eight hundreds dollars yeah i love it (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i love it because i think it's funny kind of and you know i i mean i don't think it's funny because like i know that people are out there spending money to buy this but i think that a lot of like i've heard from a bunch of people that some people just post that stuff and they it doesn't actually sell you know, like, so, um, I'm hoping that that's the case in sometimes because like, okay, here's one thing is that like, you know, if you wanted like a Sajino, like, you know, big ring, you know, you're paying like two, we were talking about, you were talking about that in episode two, you know, like it's like 200 bucks, you know, it's like, I know that I could raise the prices here, but like, it's kind of like one of these things where like, I do want people to be able to have this product you know and like i'll probably do a little price increase this year but like it's just it just i don't know (laughs) i want it to be something that that people can afford um and part of that is so that you know i continue to kind of like move them but the other part is that like people can get them if they want them you know yeah and they do like you know they do wear out and i like i don't really think it's fair for people to have to pay like a crazy crazy amount of money to like replace this thing every year if they want to have something you know it's just like i don't know so i guess i'm kind of torn on it but i do it does make me kind of chuckle when i see that stuff and um it is kind of crazy it definitely like adds to the hype yeah yeah so um, like, it'd be funny like if I was in the background doing that stuff like, I had, like, <laughs> I was, like just like keeping one or two on the side I'm gonna put this one up for like seven hundred dollars. It's like one of one prototype found randomly and like selling for ten thousand. <laughs> it's actually you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is like you know there's a, a French bikeaholic. Oh, okay. <laughs> on Instagram, let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know they have like probably everything ever made and the funny thing about that is that like so like at a certain point i stopped keeping inventory of like i stopped keeping my archive you know because i was like okay like what is the value in keeping an archive like you know it's just like let me just get these out there or like someone i would like keep one of everything and then someone would be like oh i really need one of those and i'd be like oh i have one you know like and i would just like give it to them or sell it to them or whatever you know and so like I stopped being really kind of hardcore about keeping the archive. And so like that person in France kind of has the archive at this point, <laughs> which is like kind of yeah. funny to me. Cause I was thinking about, it, I was like, Oh, if I ever wanted to like do like a show or something of them, I would have to like lease that collection <laughs> from them or something, you know, like, I don't know, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely like, you know, I have some customers that I'm like very grateful to for you know continuing to support this kind of crazy project you know it's like every year i'm kind of like is this going to be like the year that like 
you know, are people still going to be interested in this? Is it going to be, you know, like something that's fun, you know? And then also, you know, it's, you said like, I've been making the same thing for so long, but it's kind of like these products got ripped off really early on. And the things that these companies ripped off, like, you know, either overseas or in Europe, it wasn't the part that makes this a really good product, which was kind of funny to me. Cause like the part that makes it a very well-performing product is all the stuff that you can't see. Yeah. It's the like thicknesses, it's the angles, it's, you know, I have algorithms that generate all the teeth, the tooth profiles, you know? So it's like all the different size rings have the same, you know, kind of spacing between the, um, the bushings, you know, like everything, the way that the chain falls is the same. It's like, there's just like a bunch of little stuff that went into it early on. And, you know, that's kind of like multiplies out through the different products over the years. So I, what I realized is that the only thing that I can really protect is the like look of that like three pattern cutout you know like that kind of like three size rectangles cut and so it just you know kind of part of it is it like helped me define the brand language like the design language of future products which makes things a little bit easier because i know that like that's the thing that people can recognize and that's what i do so you know it just like doesn't really like you know i could do like a disc ring or like do a different cutout or something, but kind of it's like, but then someone would have to decide like, do they want the classic or something new? And it's like, I really can like own that cutout, you know? And so I'll just, you know, I was just like, I'll just do that. Yeah. Like, so it's not, it's not like, it's definitely not, it's not laziness and it's not, um, you know, kind of like, because I don't think that I could change that it's definitely a very intentional decision to stick with that pattern and that style, you know? Yeah. Um, over the whole product category. Cause I also have, you know, I have track rings, which are definitely the most popular and have become even more popular, which is like, like I said, just crazy to me. Hmm. Um, and then I have, you know, the one ten BCD. Yeah, yeah. The one X ones, which has like a really kind of interesting, uh, narrow wide, technology in that too um and then i have the mountain ones which are just kind of like something i do for fun at this point because like i ride mostly mountain so um oh that's interesting yeah so (laughs) i'm old now you know it's like i don't really want to i don't want to be like on the streets (laughs) (laughs) that's why the 43t chain ring right (laughs) oh man they're so it's funny because like Okay, so I could watch, like, if I went back through my sales data, I could definitely see that, like, maybe, like, 2013, 2014, I could, like, I could have made a 70-tooth ring, and it would have flown off the shelves. But it's, like, I don't know if the customer base is getting older or if people <laughs> are just kind of, like, becoming more realistic about what they want to ride. Like, they're like, oh, maybe, like, I don't like riding, like, a 53-tooth ring, like, up hills, you know? Yeah. Um. But, you know, like the 47 tooth ring has gone from being, it was the most popular, it was the original, and then like 49 was most popular, then 51 was very popular, and then now we're back to 47, and then 43 is like, it's not as popular as the 47, but, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, like nobody can crush a hill like like Kyle Kelly, though, because like I went out to visit him (laughs) in LA, and um like a few years ago and he was riding a track bike and I had like a fully geared, like, you know, 12 speed road bike. And he crushed me like up those LA Hills, like <laughs> on a 47 tooth track ring. <laughs> like I was just dusted, you know, but I don't think that most people probably like, they don't want to ride like a, like a 53 tooth ring, you know, across, across town, you know, it's just like, probably maybe it's too not. big, you no. know, but, yeah. uh, as as we we're saying it so many times on this show, forty nine seventeen, the, <laughs> right, the yeah, holy grail, yeah. the way to go. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I think even the forty nine, you know, like because that was like a big thing, the forty nine, you know, forty nine seventeen or forty nine sixteen or whatever, fifteen, uh, whatever people were crushing, and it was like, um, you know, but definitely now it's back to forty seven. So yeah, I can feel <laughs> <it's> like, that. <laughs> yeah, if if we're if we're keeping track of the trends smaller is the trend <laughs> so um you know like maybe with breaks i don't know what are you guys seeing <laughs> yeah with everything possible it's yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, like, I think like the chain ring is really at the center, and then people just build around that often. It's just everything works. Uh, yeah, like I was like curious actually that on the topic of collaborations, since you, I'm I'm guessing you you approach the like King Cog and Retro that you want to collab with them, or do they approach you, or how how? Well, I think <laughs> the funny thing is I think that it was kind of like an unspoken thing. Like I started doing the collaborations. I forget who was the first one. Roy. Was, oh, was it Roy? The, was the pink it? one? I can't, I can't that. That was like the earliest I could find oh, at least. But Yeah, that was crazy. That was really early. Um, no, that was like 2015. Um, yeah, I, anyway, I don't remember who the first one was, but it was kind of one of these things where like, I never really offered it to anyone. And then it just started happening. Where it was like, oh, hey, could we like do a couple of these? I think that people are really kind of like walk on eggshells with me a little bit because they don't know like what I'm willing to do, <laughs> you know? So it's like, but I just guess I like hadn't really thought about it that much. And then it was kind of like, you know, have I have like five retailers right now for the most part. I have like four, one, two, I have four in the States and then Blue Lug are like my main ones. And then I kind of like, you know, I've had, um, you know, Spellbound and Bike Makes Me Happy and Roy and, you know, like a couple little shops in like Manila and, you know, like little things like that. But it's like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Every yeah. once in a while, I'll get a retailer in, in Europe, but it's very rare. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like over time, it was just kind of like everyone was like, hey, so like for next year, do you think we could like do maybe a little something like this? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, totally. Yeah, I just like, I didn't think about it. You know, like, yeah, you like, and it's like, I don't know if like people were waiting for like an invitation or what, you know, but it's like, I don't know. It was just interesting. So now like, I think all the shops that I work with have their own custom stuff coming yeah. out. So, um, which is fine. You know, it's like, that's like, I would much rather support their businesses since they do that. Like I do mine all year round, but they have employees, they have overhead, they have all stuff. Like if it went to the point where I was doing all my business with wholesale through them, you know, um, I would be fine with that. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to be super greedy with this or anything, you know, it's mm. like, I have a bunch of other stuff going on, you know? So, um, but you know, I do definitely like, really really appreciate the people who who come out for me and who order product whenever you know it's like that's you know it's it makes me feel really good because it's something that i know that i'm able to provide directly to people and that they enjoy and also the fact that i'm not trying to charge crazy amounts of money for it, i know that like you know i'm hoping that people who get their hands on it are people who you know are you know maybe i don't i don't mind when people are collectors but people who are going to use them and who you know like people all the time are kind of like oh yeah i'm getting paid next week like can you hold one for me and like sometimes i will you know like yeah. <laughs> it's like and i know that those people are not the collect those aren't collectors yeah. or those aren't people who are like you know like sitting on a bunch of money and just trying to like gobble everything up to resell it you know if someone's like oh i get, I get paid like next friday can you like hold one of these for me you know it's like that's like I'm, i feel good about that i'm like yeah i'll hold one like you know it's like <laughs> So, um, but like, that's not an invitation. Like, do not email me about that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying though? It's like, there's, there's a, a, a few different customers that I have and I appreciate all of them. Um, but I like, I like there to be a good balance between the different, different kinds of customers. Yeah. Like keep it accessible yeah. to as many people as possible. Right. Yeah. And I also try and su sponsor and support as many people as I can, you know, um, you know, definitely trying not to sponsor only white dudes, you know, at this yeah. point. So, yeah. um, you know, which is, you know, tough in cycling also. So yeah. they're not tough, but you know, it's the norm, you know, definitely. So, and it's like, I feel like it's also sometimes it's just the loudest voices, you know? So it's not like, Oh, I'm going to go find the person with like the most follower followers. You know, like I don't really reach out to people, but like I've started to be like, Hey, if you ever, if you ever want this you know like i'm open to sending you whatever you want you know so um because i don't really do a lot of marketing so that's kind of you know my retailers and also people who i send product to are the only people that like that's all that i really would consider re marketing you know so mm. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's also a good approach then. That there's a nice balance between like collectors and individual people and then also like those that stand out that, that you consider like it's worth supporting them, right? Because yeah, like you said, the norm is really the white straight guy in cycling. And kind of a shame as well sometimes that the other people are overshadowed. But Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, that and also, and like, you know, not to take away from that, but also like youth cycling stuff. Mm. You know, because like, um, you know, like if if you're like just starting and you're trying to do something competitive, like especially competitive track racing at a young age, like I feel like there's just like so few people who are actually riding on a track. It's like if you if you get in touch with me and you're like, hey, I'm actually like racing on a track, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, uh, you got uh, Sea Base out in yeah. switzerland doing like the craziest stuff ever oh. it's like dude you can tell me that you want i mean white guy you know but like i'm saying like <laughs> that dude is doing crazy stuff you know so it's like let's well, send you whatever you want man <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know, he's putting so. them to use <laughs> like really i know, I know right he's yeah. like oh what about i do the tour de france but fixed and breathless and also yeah, blindfolded yeah. let's do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it's like you make me feel bad, man. I'm my trainer at home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, it makes you feel good because I imagine, like you said, it, it makes it take put lots of you put a lot of work into like the the tooth profile and the algorithms and everything. So they do deserve to be ridden properly as well. But yeah, and you can definitely yeah. ride them for a long time because I mean, I got one not. From the first batch, but pretty early on, and it's still riding really good. I don't know how many Ks I put on it. Well, I just <laughs> can't know, but it still runs smooth. And you <laughs> yeah. know what? I don't need to change it. I end up getting one pretty much every batch because of limited or something that I could <laughs> use. Um, but yeah, I have one from the really beginning, my first one. It, it's still good. I'm probably never going to give up. Yeah, is that a sixty sixty one aluminum one? Like the yeah. old ones? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like you know, part of the reason why I switched from sixty sixty one to seventy seventy five was just because, like, I you know, at the price that I was trying to go for, like, I really was just like, I I need to to make it out of a a higher quality aluminum, you know, like a better aluminum for this particular application. Um, but like these, like especially track rings, are so overbuilt you know they're designed for like a ton of load you know so um 60 61 or 70 75 like i wouldn't really expect you to see a difference like but in like when i was doing prototyping in the narrow wide stuff it's a totally different deal like you know you need to have the best quality material on narrow wide because like those tiny teeth are like taking a huge amount of load and they you know a softer material wears differently you know different tempers like all that stuff is like a huge um thing to consider speaking of technology like i do have some stuff that i'm trying to release this year that's totally totally new technology and that's um i have a new coating that i've developed that is like a hard coat that also is impregnated with teflon and so it's something that i'm trying to release it's part of this like pro series that'll be coming out in like june i think Mm -hmm. um and that's like a kind of this different gray color it'll have different packaging if i can get it together you know but um but that's kind of like along the same lines like i'm always kind of trying to think of ways to like you know it's literally like reinventing the wheel it's like do i want to make oval chain rings it's like i don't really you know um i think there's a lot of people out there who have built their business around like oval chain rings or making a chain ring for every kind of bike out there. You know, there's like other U S manufacturers that are doing like trying to be everything to everyone. And it's like, I really don't want to try and be everything to everyone. That means holding a lot of inventory. It means like, you know, kind of like having a lot more stuff to babysit, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel like now with the new thing the new pro series this is like a like a new um yeah experiment for you i guess right kind of yeah and and i can kind of afford to do that too because like you know like with the 4323 release you know it's like that was something that ring i originally made for myself on my like 30th birthday 
because I was like, I'm an old man now. Like, <laughs> and so seven years ago, you know, it's like, I'm an old man now. I need, you know, like to take care of my knees. And it was kind of like a joke product. And that's where the original red, white and blue camo came from, because I was like, I'm going to make this like stupid looking ring and it's going to have this like totally overblown camo on it. And it's just going to be like silly. Cause like a lot of stuff just starts as like a joke with between you and your friend, you know, since I was like, I was like, I'm going to like make this ring. It's going to say retire at 30 on it for my 30th birthday. And I'm just going to like sell it, sell it. And then like, I was like a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to re-release that thing. And it's like, crazy popular now yeah. so it is you know but then it's like okay what do i do next and i'm like i don't know mm. <laughs> like, you know i want to focus on something else for a minute um and like you know i've been thinking a lot about that because i'm just like you know do you know there's these companies like paul and phil and white um that are like really really amazing u.s manufacturers that do a little bit of everything you know and they do a really really good job and so I'm not really trying to like be them. I'm trying to like kind of like cut my own path. Like I don't want to like make brake levers. I don't really, you know, like there's a bunch of stuff I could do, like, you know, seat post collar, like things like that I've thought about, but it's kind of like just not me. So, you know, it's just, I've got something in the works for this year. It's pretty different. Um, but I don't really know, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. Do I even consider myself like a, a bicycle parts company or <laughs> or what is it you know it's it seems like these are kind of like the passion projects of my design firm you know and things that i decide to produce and i just like want to make what i want to make when i want to make it so and i also make things that i want to ride so like i started you know first the track bikes and i made track rings and then like as i i moved up to like a place in upstate new york i had a lot more hills um, I started riding a lot more road bikes, so I made the narrow wide um, 110 BCD rings. And then, like, you know, as I started to get more into mountain biking, I made mountain bike rings. So, really, I'm just making what I want to ride. And then I'm hoping that people kind of get in on that, you know? So, um, <laughs> and I hope that that gives it kind of like a level of kind of like clarity and intention, you know, where it's, I'm not trying to like, you know, we were talking in the pre show about like, um, uh, hopping on trends and you know like are you hopping on a trend or um at a certain point if you have hopped on a trend you can also decide to just like fully own that thing it doesn't have you don't have to feel like a like a sellout or that you bought into something like forever you know so but i hope to avoid um kind of like seeming like i'm hopping on things by keeping it as stuff that like i personally ride you know or i personally use or i want yeah so it keeps it kind of like, like within your own like your own bubble then kind of as well then it's it's yeah because uh, ideally you're your own customer you know? yeah and like that's yeah. how you understand your customer is by being your customer you and, know so and yeah you have you've made quite like eclectic assortment of of bike parts i, I saw in, in in his in like like a bike rack um seat seat post topper and chain rings and yeah yeah rack, yeah. yeah so it's quite and all then that the place and then, you know, like I have like some clients here and there, you know, like our friends also, you know, like, like Jason from affinity. So we did the carbon fiber tire levers and that was like an insane, insane project. So insane. Those are so nice. Um, <laughs> well, it was like, you know, literally like, Hey, I want to make these things. Like, will you design them? And also, by the way, I want to make them in my like, you know, 200 square foot warehouse in Brooklyn. <laughs> and i have zero history of manufacturing anything or running a factory and i'm just like dude this is craziness you know like and i tried to talk him out of it for like probably a year even though we had already designed a lot of stuff i was like i don't know man do you even want to do this like do you want to make these and he actually like now he's got like two guys running two shifts or something and you know they're just pumping them out in his little shop and i'm like super proud of him you know because like it's like i want to poke holes in things and i want to be like oh you're not gonna be able to do this or like have you ever run a factory before you know it's like kind of like maybe it's like you're a human like panic response to being like oh do you even want to do this you know like do you even care like you know are you like, sure know. so <laughs> yeah are you sure let me talk you off this ledge you know like don't make the mistakes i made son you know or something <laughs> i don't know so Trust um, me, you don't want to do this. 
Yeah. But yeah, no, we designed like, you know, like all of the way that the layups happened. You know, I designed molds. I designed the parts. Like I went down to Brooklyn. I programmed all the CNC machines. Like it's like crazy. Like we developed like all the finishing processes. Like those parts are made like a hundred percent in one little shop <laughs> you know it was crazy like i worked with yeah. them on the package like it's just and it was cool because like that's the kind of stuff that i do like my glasses are like that where it's like everything happens in my own little space and like one thing about like all of my products is kind of like like we were talking about before like i don't go to like a chain ring factory and i say hey i want this chain ring with like this cutout on it like i don't go to a glasses factory and say hey i want this glasses with like in this look you know it's like everything from scratch up is done you know, in house. Yeah. And like it, when I basically, when I bring on a new shop to do chain rings for me, like they look at these parts and they're like, Oh man, this is going to be like really expensive because like, it just looks like a crazy, crazy intricate part. You know, like you have to like teach them. Like these are the things you have to be concerned about. These ones you don't like, you know, it's like, and that's kind of the language of a, of an engineering drawing is telling someone like, here's what you need to pay attention to. These things you can kind of ignore a little bit. Like this is aesthetic and this is functional, you know? Yeah. So, um and like you know it's like i think that that's kind of like if i had to make an argument for why people would pay more for something it's because like you know you're not just going to a factory and picking something out of a catalog and saying i want it to look like this you know like there's a lot more work that goes into yeah not just a template. designing something from scratch but it's also like so much more satisfying you know when you could say like hey i every single aspect of this is something that like i intentionally decided to do and like I've checked it all out, and I think that the results you will be pleased with, you know. So yeah. And so it's like since then, since the first ring you've made, uh, have there been like any big like developments in manufacturing that let you do new new things, or has it mostly like stagnated? Or well, so one big thing, and it was kind of like something that wasn't totally intentional um, on my side, was that we switched over from the machines being totally or the parts being totally milled to like, basically they get turned down first. So they get put on a lathe yeah. after they get water jet cut and then they get milled. So basically like the, the surface finish of the parts is like being turned down to like a very specific thickness and the, the finish is like much better. So um, that I think that and switching over to 7075 um, T6 aluminum was like, a big move because like yeah, it's hard to find new materials like it's hard to get things <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. like especially I had a now shop, I like a, yeah yeah definitely yeah like i pre i pre-order material very early like sometimes a lot of my leads like it takes like six months for me to get a run of, of chain rings you know so mm. it's like and that includes like material lead time it includes anodizing you know it's like um yeah and like all the anodized patterns like all the camos and everything those are all like applied by hand like i work with the shop really closely um i've been out to visit them a bunch and like they you know there's there's a guy who like specializes in these patterns and they have you know first article samples of everything that i've done i work with them on all the colors like you know it's just like it it's a the process involves a lot of people um who are very very good at their job you know and that makes me feel good too is to support them. Like, you know, I've thought a bunch about like, Oh, what if I just like brought machines in and did it all myself? But it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be running a machine shop every day necessarily. Yeah, you no. know, like I want to be running a machine shop for like certain things when I want to, you know, but I also like couldn't justify having a machine like that. It just wouldn't run enough, you know? So it's like my buddy Ian who's in Philly who makes uh pens and also slam that stem. Uh, and watches. Oh, I got that recently. Yeah. Oh, you got Slam and Stem? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ian does that, and um, Sean design pens, and then uh, Sean Horology watches. Um, you know, like, he moved from Boston to Philly, and ended up he has, like, a handful of Swiss machines now, and is doing all of his manufacturing in-house, and it's, like, incredible to see, you know? But it's also, like, you know, that's a, it's a commitment to... Uh, you know, one of his family of products that like, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever felt like I was ready to make that commitment. You know, like it's just kind of like, 
I would have to have a larger product line and, and know that I could justify it. You know, right now it's something that's fun for me. And I guess like part of it is like, I'm afraid of like losing the fun. You know, if I had to like really, really yeah, like dig, double down on a lot, yeah. you know, that's how you like, and I'm sure passion. Ian still has a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how he was a passion, you know? And it's like, that's what, I guess that's kind of like one of my biggest fears is like losing, losing the passion and being able, doing something like once a year, I know I can like, or twice a year, like, you know, cause I do different styles throughout the year. It's like, I know that I can like maintain the passion. People are excited about it. Like, I hope that everyone can get what they're looking for, you know, and, uh, and all the shops I work with are happy. And then I know that the next year I'm like, you know, when I'm planning it out that people are going to, you know, be ready to do it again. Whereas if I had it on shelf all the time, you know, it would just be like, I don't know. It just wouldn't be special. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, okay, there is a little bit of intentional thing to the hype, but like, I don't know if I could even get product faster, you know, like right now, like I said, it six takes six months, months yeah. to do a run of rings. So it's like, how many runs can you do a year if it takes six months? Like pretty much one. So that's also like the limitation <laughs> yeah, like, of, of, of having those, um, like the more specialized machinery, right? If you can only get the material every six months then it's not even worth it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but then, you know, I also do, I do all the quality control inspection mm-hmm. and packaging here and I do all the fulfillment from my own shop too. So, um, and I enjoy doing that. You know, it's like one of my favorite days is like the day after a big sale, you know, and I like sit down, I like put some music on really loud <laughs> and I like pack up everybody's orders and print out labels. And then I like, you know, go to the post office or have somebody come pick it up. And it's just like, that's a really fun day for me because it's like, I get to see like all the stuff going to all these people that are excited about it, you know? So all the yeah, tags and Instagram. Feeling of achievement, right? <laughs> yeah. It's achievement, but it's also like, you know, like I said, being able to provide stuff to people, Yeah, you know, like, have that connection you know you you mentioned that you're you're releasing a pro a pro lineup this this june but for the the main lineup of the iron rings since you've kind you've more or less perfected like the tooth profile and the like the general base model of it it is whenever you do a run nowadays is do you find enjoyment in like the the aesthetic sorry the aesthetic like the um, the color combinations or just by manufacturing the ring itself like the metal and everything um i mean like i'm still pretty pleased with it you know which i guess is like a good thing it's not like i look at the yeah i guess i I, you know i don't like look at them when i see them online and stuff i'm like god you know i wish i was a little different you know like i kind of at this point barely remember the process of designing those cutouts like i remember like uh ian sutton from uh, icarus frames and I were sitting in my old studio uh, in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I had like all these printouts of all different cutouts, and I had been like kind of drawing on them with marker and stuff. And I was like showing them. I was like, I think I kind of want to do this one. He, I think he was like, Yeah, that, that was, looks alright. You know, it's like it was like, you know, <laughs> and then like you know, was it like eleven, twelve years, eleven years later or something? And you know, they're still going. And I guess I'm kind of like, I don't know, like maybe. I don't know. Sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I have a good eye for this or something, you know, but like, I, it's not all the time. I don't feel like that, you know, but like, I like it. Like, it makes me feel good to design things. I like designing stuff. So I had hope that I'm okay at it. So and um, it's still definitely going strong though. It's not stopping anytime soon. I feel. Yeah. Well, with the pro thing, I also, I'm hoping to have a couple little extra secret things going on with it. <laughs> little, okay we'll keep us on the wraps <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to let it all out you know it's like like i was saying like also we were talking in the pre-show for a second it's like i kind of exist in this gray area where i'm like not you know it's like not like bicycling magazine is knocking down my door trying to talk to me or anything like i kind of like I don't really have my real name out anywhere like people i don't feel like people really know who i am like <laughs> There's like they understand that this product comes from somewhere and they kind of know a little bit about it, but like I don't have like a huge following or anything, you know. It's just kind of like, um, I I feel like people maybe don't make the connection between me or my business and and those rings even necessarily, yeah. you know. Like <laughs> it's just and it's not something I've done intentionally, but like, 
Um, I just, I just exist in this weird space. That's kind of like part industry, part industry outsider, you know? And so I feel like, you know, maybe some industry kind of like, there's a little bit of pushback against me and then maybe some outsider industry, there's a lot of support for me, you know, like, I don't know. Um, and that's kind of like, I feel like that's kind of like my sweet spot for like any, anything that I work on, which is like, I kind of want to like, I hate the word disrupt, but I kind of want to do a little bit stuff that's like starting from zero and not necessarily like looking at other products to see why they did things and doing it from scratch and then um, kind of seeing what ends up happening with it and kind of what the response is to it, you know? And then that also like, you know, being given certain limitations, like, oh, I don't have access to like a chain ring factory. I don't have access to like, all the vendors for all the different eyewear stuff and components that I would need access to, it puts you like these limitations basically like create, end up creating a product that's unique because the processes that, that are used to make them are custom to you, you know? And like, I think that I like products that are kind of process driven. So, yeah. As a, as a last question, because we already like flown out the timing, but it is <laughs> totally okay. Um, see, one one run a year is the the thing right now. What can we expect in the future from our transmission? Uh, I feel like the <laughs> the chain ring thing is still going so strong, and there's so much more. Uh, possible available right but what what can we expect i mean i guess without kind of letting the cat out of the bag too much you can expect to see some kind of thing that's like a um cross-discipline collaboration between many of my different interests happening okay. <laughs> through, <Okay. laughs> through the cycling company you know like and uh you know, the transmission company is definitely like, you know, that's cycling specific and, you know, I've done a lot of other products, but I feel like kind of this thing that I'm working on is a, it's like a collaboration between like all of my different past and present businesses. <laughs> so, um, and you know, like we've talked before, I, like, I don't really, unless somebody wanted to collaborate on something that was like a different kind of product, which I keep asking shops, I'm like, Oh, like the shops I work with, I'm like, Oh, do you ever like want this or want that? Like, you know, cause I just don't, I don't want to just like make something and then like out of nowhere and have people be like, why do you make that? You know? Like, so it'd be nice to like have the support of a shop on something if it was going to be like total outlier. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't really, I have an idea of how I'm going to diversify and, uh, I'm hoping that people are into it. So yeah, def- definitely. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of hint, but yeah, <laughs> guess you'll have to find out later. If you listen to this podcast, like in in a year or two, well, you'll know. But yeah, I mean, if I can pull it off, you know, it's like I'm pretty confident in myself when I like commit to something. But like with any of this stuff, like any of these huge projects, it's like you know, there's you know something could happen. And it doesn't happen, you know, like a little change in the wind, you know, like yeah. and all of a sudden the money doesn't exist or like something goes sideways with a, a vendor or with, you know, a design doesn't pan out or I'm not happy with what's going on. And then it just goes back into the, the folder of uh, things that were tabled, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that folder, you know, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to keep it simple, you know. Yeah, only time will tell then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry we uh, strayed so much. I feel like I was just kind of like rambling about things. <laughs> no, it's completely fine. Well, I guess this is pretty much all we have time for today. Um, thank you so much, Aaron, for yeah, thank being you for on joining the show us. today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was, it was fun. It's fun to talk about things, you know, so... <laughs> Um, everything we talked on the show can be fine, uh, on, in the show notes on the slow spin society website, uh, where can you find us? Well, you can find Aaron, of course, on his personal Instagram and your website, I guess. Yeah. You can email the show. If you have any question at 
slowspinpodcast at gmail.com. I am on Instagram at underscore Paul underscore you. Uh, and you can find us also on the Discord server. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Maria. And the illustration is by at Juliet Joe on Instagram. Uh, you can support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. It's really up to you, but the best way is really to just pocket front in the arm and say, hey, you know Arn Ring as well. If you want to know more, you should probably listen to that podcast. If you want to have access to the extended cut of the podcast, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. And as I said before, pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes, 40 minute, probably more this week uh, <laughs> of extra content per episode. And sorry, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> okay, so yeah, see you guys next week. Yeah, see you guys next week. Bye bye.